Xgrowth has helped B2B tech companies design campaigns that open doors in their strategic target accounts, roll out targeted ABM programs, scale ABM programs, and select the right tool and tech stack for a successful ABM initiative. These are all things Xgrowth has helped their clients with. If you're interested to learn how Xgrowth can help your firm's ABM program, check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about the yeses and nos to achieving those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to a special guest, second time on the podcast. Super excited for this chat. I'm talking to Nick Flood, CMO of Securo, about how to plan your career progression as a marketer, especially in the B2B space. Nick has a lot of experience on this front, and I can't wait to dive in. Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, anytime, Shin. Always good to talk. You know that. Absolute pleasure for having you here. And we were we were talking initially some time ago, and that's where the the topic of this conversation came about. You have had multiple different roles uh, in 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 sense in the in the B two B space at different companies. Like yes. you've had uh, some very senior roles at large organizations, and also at startups and and kind of challenger brands. First question I want to ask is, why do you think marketers should aspire to a CMO role? The answer to that one is going to be an obvious answer, which is because it's the top of the tree. You know, supposedly it's the top of the tree in terms of professional or formal marketing roles. You know, ultimately somebody has, other than the CEO, you know, somebody has the organizational strategic executive leadership of that function is that function marketing yes okay then the leader should be cmo and some organizations will kind of blend it to then go well actually it's the vp of marketing but in a conversation with a former ceo he was saying well look the reason why one of the executives was a vp was because they could always put somebody as the chief over the top and that was this. That was a CEO saying it to then say, okay, in his structure, what he wanted was truly the one person that he could point to to then say, right, she looks after that function. She is the chief, you know, revenue of. We're seeing now chief revenue officers coming up, and are they sales? Not really. You know, there's a bit of growth in there. There's a bit of marketing. There's a bit of sales in there. But I think again, ultimately, I just think if you're aspiring to be the best that you can be, then the chief marketing officer is the title that you should be aiming for if ultimately that's what you want to do to take on that executive leadership role. So those are the pros. I want to talk about the other side of the coin. 
Well, the pros, you get all the glory, of course. Yeah, you get all the glory. You get all the, you know, you get the fancy title. You, you're a chief, chief ex-officer. Chief of something. Um, yes, chief of something. Why shouldn't I aspire to become a CMO? So what are, what are some of the downsides or what are some of the things that one should be aware of? Basically, what are the cons? Well, I think there's, I mean, there are negatives in all the jobs. It's, it, it can be a busy job. It can be a job, particularly in a startup where there's you and then you have to go, well, you know, so let, let, I'd be rubbish as the CMO of a mature organization. I know I would because I like getting in there and scrapping and kind of building things. And, and we'll kind of talk about that later. So why what are what are the downsides? The downsides can be pressure. You know, you are an executive at that level. So if you're successful in your career and you do take on, you know, a large role in a large organization, then you get all of the fun of the fair that comes with that, but you also get the pressure as well. The uh, as two industries together, sales and mar- or two functions together are the sales and marketing, you know, growing up and delivering revenue ultimately to the business you know that's one of my kind of passions is to make sure that marketers are very aligned to the sales organization or very aligned to the go-to-market part of the organization so again one of the negatives might be is that if it's not for you if you just want to be a contributor who does the thing that makes them successful you know it's one of those situations where you go from being good at doing and then you get given more responsibility and then you you do less doing because you've actually got to do more organization, you know, other resources to get things done. And then the higher up you go, there's less hands-on marketing and more strategic management, I guess, at that point or management across different functions. So some people that's not of interest and, you know, that's a perfectly good, you know, reason not to want to become a CMO. And then on the flip side, that's the fun bit, you know, getting involved in the business, really getting across how functions operate to build an organization. And that's really when you look at the startup scale up world, that's the interesting, you know, that's the bit that kind of excites me to then go, right, I'm looking after all of it. What do we do first? What do we do next? Where's the end goal? So being able to paint that picture being able to kind of build an organization towards that ultimate goal, that's the positive. As a negative, you know, a lot of stuff to be done. You know, every day there's something that needs to be doing because you need top, you know, the mile high view looking down, but then you've also got to go and get into the weeds. That as a startup, as a startup kind of scale up kind of CMO. CMO in a large organization, you know, again, I I'm not I'm not across that one, but you're looking at strategy, you're looking at, you know, results, you're looking at kind of dashboards and big, you know, big trend indicators and things like that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, a lot of people will be listening and they would be, you know, they might be a marketing manager, marketing lead, marketing coordinator, right? And there's always that question. Some people would leave the marketing field and and some would, would continue. But then there is the question of like, you know, what, so what are the options? Like, what does, what is the difference between a marketing director? What is the difference between a VP? What is the difference between a C, of, of those and a CMO? I want to also touch, you, you talked about chief revenue officer, CRO. I want to touch on that as well. 
what are some of the differences between especially these top roles? We see a lot of marketing directors in Australia, especially for, you know, international brands um, where, where there would be like a sometimes it's like a head of marketing or marketing yeah. director for ANZ or, or APJ. Or region, yeah. What are some of those differences between, again, head of marketing, marketing director, VP, CMO? What are some of those differences that you, you've experienced and saw and seen? I think, so a lot of it comes down to the scope of influence that, that you have and also coupled with the organization that you actually happen to, to find yourself in at that point in time. So yes, if you're if you're within ANZ and you're working for a North American or a European head office, then you're going to be kind of part of a regional structure that reports up potentially to a VP of international field marketing, who themselves then report up into the CMO or an EVP or something like that. So I don't think there's any kind of tried and true structure other than saying, right, you know, I've, I've, I've always looked at it to then say, how much responsibility can you take on? And what's the expectation of that responsibility? So coming in and if you're a vent uh, if you're a marketing coordinator or a marketing executive then you're kind of doing things where you you might not see the big the, the whole picture the big picture and what you're doing is you're doing you, you're kind of doing the things that you're asked to do and then when you've done them it's like i've done that one what do you want me to do next so then you're starting to kind of go as you then mature into those into that role. And I've always I've said to my kind of team, that first 18 months in a role, you're learning to do the role. The next 18 months, you're kind of getting good at doing the role. Then after about three years, two and a half years to three years, you're kind of looking for the next step up. The next step up is has been more responsibility. So you then start to stop being you're still action oriented, but you you stop being kind of tactical in the sense of I've done this. What do I do now? You start owning more and more things end to end. That gives you that management level. I'm managing my area. I'm managing my tasks. So then you start to look up and go, okay, well, what's the jump up to the director level? And it, and it could be just something as simple as you know you've been there four years and you're going to get a job. You know you're going to get a promotion and it's you know essentially the same job. You know, different shovel, as they used to say. But you've you've you know you've got tenure, and you're still doing the same thing. And then you've just come up from marketing manager to senior regional or senior marketing manager. And then your next you know career path, your next career jump, and your next salary bump comes from being a marketing director or being seen to be a GM marketing marketing director. But that doesn't necessarily you kind of doing that role of. I'm planning out strategy, I'm aligning what we're doing with the business, I'm then coordinating and reporting upwards, and then they're taking that stream kind of downwards. That next level above that into a VP is either you're setting the strategy, you're setting the direction, or you're sitting around the boardroom table or the, or the senior leadership table, and then the CEO says, all right, this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do. And as they go around the table, you're kind of realizing that the response to the question about what are you going to do, you're now representing an entire function. So if you're in that position, then you are a VP or you are in that chief kind of role. Culturally, you might have differences regionally between are they the VP of marketing, are they the CMO? But operationally, are you at the functional leadership 
you know, roles. So who looks after marketing? Uh, Nick does. Or are you then standing up and then there's an elevation above that where you are an executive leader with a chief dot, 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 and half of the time you're representing your, you know, your home function, I guess, and then half of the time you're actually listening and going, right, what can we do over here? How can I get involved with operations? Are you a good friend of finance? What do they need? Because the conversation at that level is much more about the progress of the business towards its goals. And you have that conversation based on your knowledge or your experience as a marketeer versus then dropping down a level, which is you're not having broad business conversations, but you are ultimately always responsible for everything marketing. Does that make sense? Just in terms of that lens of are you looking downwards or are you looking very much across with a little bit of downwards? It does. It does make sense. I don't know if it's true or not, but it always kind of rings true. And certainly when I've been interviewing and trying to grow a team and you're trying to put, you know, you get people who kind of go, you know, you, you put a job out and you want a marketing director, regional marketing director, and then people apply and you go, well, would you do this? No. Have you done that before? Have you done this? No. What's your language of finance? What's your language of lead management? What's your language of staff management? And they don't have any. So it's like, well, actually, you're not. I you want to come to that. I want to I want to interject right because I want to touch on this and I want to I want us to give this enough sure. attention and I want to come back to it. But before kind of get to that, there's one other thing I want to I want to ask you. There is there's a lot of conversations and and we, you see this quite a lot in the in lot of U.S. entities where you're starting to see the rise of this the the title CRO, mm-hmm. the Chief Revenue Officer. Where do you see that sitting in organizations? especially here in Australia. Like what's what's up with the CRO role? I don't think there's anything up with it. I think you know you've you're guiding me to a to a position that I'm going to take which is about marketing not being seen to be a valid business function. And I'll and I'll and I'll I'll die in a ditch about kind of saying that marketing is a valid business function. But the CRO, you know, used to be kind of GM of sales and marketing. That didn't work because you've got one person who's generally a salesperson looking at a 90-day window, also then trying to be very, you know, split in terms of their their view to then go, well, actually, do you want to drive marketing to be 90 days or do you want to look at that future growth 18-month window? So it was a very uh, – I'll use the word bipolar, but I'm, I'm conscious that I'm, I'm, I don't want to be – kind of uh, upsetting anybody, but, you know, that split of short-term versus medium to long-term. So is the CRO any different from a director of sales and marketing and a, and a, and a GM of, of kind of sales and marketing? Kind of, but kind of not. They might have customer success thrown under them as well. So therefore, from a revenue perspective, that one individual is looking at the sales funnel the marketing, you know, funnel, so that go to market piece, but they're also then responsible, you know, let's go on a SaaS perspective, where instead of that customer journey, you know, that traditional customer journey ending up purchase, you've now got onboarding, you've now got renewal, you've now got expansion, you've now got advocacy, ultimately, all the way through that customer journey. So good CROs are looking at all of that end to end, you don't want to lose a customer, You want to grow and expand and how do you turn that customer into an ultimately an advocate? And then underneath that, 
full customer journey you know field of view you've got your go-to markets with sales marketing but you've also then got your customer success customer experience or you know some customer focused entity as well so it's an addition to that traditional sales and marketing but again ultimately it comes back to the one thing that we should all be caring about which is is the organization able to grow and then hit its kind of its its goals because if you do it's a very powerful you know position to kind of be in do you think that world that role works considering what we just talked about right like considering the fact that hey most of the times you see that role being occupied by by a former salesperson yep most of the times because they are a bit more i don't want to use the word aggressive but they're more forthcoming they would they would um and, and that's that's part of the role right that's part of your personality that you got to yep. ask you got to you know you got to push because your role is quite hard. So most of the times you, you see that role being filled by a uh, previous a sales, sales professional. Person. Correct. Do, do, you, do you think, so do you think that role, this role works? Well, it's, I mean, yes, is, is the short answer. It does with the right person in the chair and then the right supporting functional leader sitting underneath those areas. So you could absolutely structure it so that the CRO is very good commercially, knows how to talk to customers, knows how to talk to prospects. But underneath them, this is where you would then say, right, there's a VP of marketing, there's a VP of sales, there's a VP of CS underneath that structure. So that is can be quite common where that CRO then is at the executive table. And again, it goes back to proving my point earlier about then having those functional leaders sitting underneath it and you're somehow disconnected from you know, whatever the executive table is, you know, the, the mythical executive thought process, but you're a little bit kind of disconnected from it because it's like, no, 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 you do marketing. And then it gives, does it give the VP of marketing in that organizational structure the ability to be promoted to a CMO? No, because there's no CMO role there. It's being held by the CRO. That makes sense? Got it. It does. But it's it's all a, it's all a people you know it's all a people and a, and a structural thing. It's all thing. the people. It's all the people's game. It's all yes, about a I, people. I hear you. But I think I, it, hear I think it works well in a in a sassy platformy way because of that addition of the customer success piece. I don't necessarily know whether you would have a CRO that includes customer success in that traditional, you know, sell it once then nothing else happens. I think it's a good model to kind of build into that. But, you know, then, I mean, we talk about kind of stress at the at the C-suite level. That's a big role when you're looking at kind of re-signs and renewals and expansions as well as then, you know, net new acquisition and then ultimately kind of demand gen. But it's a good role because it's also one of those where you've got, I think on the flip side of that, you've then got that concept of the chief customer officer so is there an overlap there? I kind of think there is because the customer is then sitting in the middle. So is the chief customer officer somebody who isn't commercially aware? No, I think, that, again, they have to be because they're looking at land and expand, renewals, cross-sell, upsell. So is that done by a customer success team? Is that done by a sales team with a CS hat on? And I, I haven't. I have to do some more reading on that to kind of see how that kind of lays out. But I think there's definitely a, a little bit of an overlap between the two functions. So it'll be interesting to kind of look at some use cases about 
corporate structure where you've got a CRO plus a chief customer officer? And then is there is there room in that to actually have a CMO? Or are you then just naturally bumping up to that ceiling of, well, I can't, there, you know, there's no seat at the table. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Changing gears again. Talk about skills. Sure. I touched on this briefly. I look at skills when it comes to marketers as it expands, the opportunities expand in terms of where you can develop and then it narrows. So what I mean by that is I have I, I, I think that as a junior marketer, you can't kind of come in and there are so many different areas that you can focus on. You can focus on, you know, becoming an expert in PR, becoming an expert in copywriting, content, uh, you know, SEO, you name it, right? Performance marketing, yada, yada, yada. And th- those areas could be could be quite a lot. And it's and it's, you know, you in the trenches, it's tactical and you build up that knowledge. And then it starts to narrow when you start to move further. So when when you've reached to, let's say, a senior SEO, you know, manager or something like that, then the next step is to become like a director or or become a head of, of, of something and then get to the director level and the VP and the CMO level. And that starts to narrow uh, going up from there. My question is, Going from, hey, I'm now, I'm at the top of the game for SEO. I'm at the top of the game for content. Now I want to really take that next step and start to go into those managerial, again, the the head of marketing director, VP, CMO role. What are the skills that the the marketer needs to develop that they might have not developed so far in order to be able to start making those steps? I think it's irrespective of what you're good at, you've now got to go, and it goes back to that 18 month, you know, if if the only thing you've ever done is SEO, then you have to start learning about other things that broaden your skill set. So you can be really, you know, the opening conversation, why would somebody not want to be a CMO? Well, because all they want to be good at is SEO or field marketing or events or PR. That's perfectly reasonable. You know, you know what you want. You know your, I won't even say limitations, but you just know what you want. And knowing what you don't want in life is just as important as knowing what you do want. But to go up and to go up and 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 across, you've actually got to build on new skills. So one of the easiest ways, you know, that that anybody can do that is just, you know, is ask why. Okay, why do why does what you do? benefit the organization benefit your revenue stream does it in, does it increase your growth does it allow you to attract and retain more customers and and that i'm hoping that's the interesting bit because as you're then slowly kind of adding more skills to your tool belt you then start to become more rounded as a marketer you then start to see where the business is going and you can actually take the skill set plus a curious and inquiring mind to then go and do something bigger with that attitude or with that aptitude. You have a certain set set of skills, but really you're starting to then hire in or or grow your your attitude, your aptitude and understanding of what the business is doing. But I do think if you just say, right, if you define yourself as I'm a field marketer, that's your first mistake. Don't define yourself just as a field marketer define yourself as a marketer who then is open to 
doing a bit around SEO, doing a bit around the marketing, you know, the, the areas that you don't have, plus the other areas of the business. So I want to I want to touch on that. I want to touch on that, sure. right? So that makes sense. That that hey, I gotta know, understand a lot of other areas of of marketing. I gotta know segmentation. I gotta know PR. I gotta get familiar with this and that and so on and so forth. What are some of the skills that that maybe you have found that you had to develop that maybe was outside of that sphere of marketing? Well, it's it's again, it's it's the business part of it. It's the why. You know, it's it's. You know, I've got your, I've got the mug from last time sitting up there. If I can point to it, basically going, you know, go talk to sales because it's critical that as marketers, you want, you know, there are still many marketers out there that have no connection to how their business grows or how their business generates revenue, and and the concept of a revenue marketer understanding where that comes from, I think, is one of the biggest gaps that we have as as a as a function, as a discipline, as a profession. And luckily, there's a whole body of organizations and, and kind of, you know, marketers within opinion that go, no, that's why we're doing it. It's, it's, it's critical as a startup. You know, if you're there and you're the marketer and there's five people and one's the sales person, you know, one's the founder, one's the engineering lead, and then you, it's like, well, you can't sit there and go, you know, I'll be back next week. I've got three weeks worth of SEO to do and just disappear for three weeks. Because if you've got to go and talk to the customer or work with the CEO or sit with engineering or do something, you do it. So then as, you then, as that organization starts to grow, at that point in time, you've been exposed to a little bit of sales, exposed to a little bit of product, a little bit of finance, a little bit of this. And that's the fun part of kind of startup scale-ups because the exciting part is when you open the cupboard, it's empty. But to marketers or anybody that you know is used to having things in the cupboard and big programs, and we used to outsource that to an agency, and we used to outsource that, that they don't necessarily survive in a startup world because actually you've got to go and you know I'm typing, I'm you've just got to get it done, you know, because it's it's got to be done. So pigeonholing yourself and saying no, that's not me, I don't know about that, you know, YouTube it, Google it, find it out go do that, you know, and then come back with another skill set to then go, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm not polished, but I can get it most of the way. And then as a team, just revise it, roll it, roll with it, iterate it. Okay. I want to ask another question. This is more specific to Australia. In, in your experience and working in the Australian market, what are some of the weakest points marketers in Australia need to develop to further their career progression? I think it, it's it, it's an interesting point. Regionally, there's, there's a mixture of people who have only done, ANZ's a small market, you know, so that, that's the reality of it. Australia and New Zealand is a small domestic market in comparison to either the single market of the United States or that broad Europe, you know, and uh, APAC. So one of the things that does limit us is that we could potentially have a very small view of the world. That's not necessarily a positive or a negative because then the flip side of it is to then say you've got a North American marketer who goes, well, my market is West Coast, and then they're including Central, and then they gradually get to the East Coast and go, right, I've got this massive market of opportunity for my product. 
But then the leadership is saying, yeah, but we're now going to expand into EMEA. We're now going to expand into APAC. So there's that tends to be one person that, you know, you're now the APAC marketing leader and you're like, oh, I've got to do Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, you know, the ASEAN countries and those kind of things. So when we look at the Australian marketeers, finding people who have had the opportunity to work for a head office who's expanding globally, you know, there's not enough, I say there's not enough of those. There's not enough of those Australian organisations that are growing overseas and therefore giving Australian marketeers hands-on international expansion experience. Because the flip side of that is if you're in one of these growth areas or, you know, you see a, an overseas organisation expanding into, you know, Australia, there's a high chance that they're going to look for somebody with international marketing experience for that next role. So what we don't want is to have, you know, two of us imports to the country. I realise the irony of what I'm saying, but, you know, people coming in from overseas going, hey, I've done Australia, you know, I've done America and Canada, and therefore that's my international experience. But because you then work for the head office, then you're going to be planted in for a two-year secondment in sunny Sydney. So international exposure is one. I think we have uh, there is there is nothing wrong with the marketing education that comes out of Australia, New Zealand. You know, the Australian Marketing Institute and others are producing world-class marketers. But for some reason, there aren't that many who are taking that to the international stage and going, right, I bring an Australian point of view where we do look at, we're used to looking outside of our own kind of borders and things like that. But is there anything fundamentally wrong with Australian marketers? Absolutely not. Other than just that, if you're looking for an international growth role, have some international growth experience if you can. Otherwise, you're going to be pigeoned in that. I've done Australia. They're adding New Zealand onto my responsibilities. If I do well at that, I might get a little bit of Asia. But, you know, it's going to be the English-speaking part of Asia, not the, you know, Japanese-speaking part because they're all, you know, they have kind of different kind of sentiments and things like that. So, yeah, got it, got it. H how do you find kind of the, the the leadership at the kind of the very top when it comes to marketing. So in the CMO levels um, that might be exposed to multiple geographies, do you see much difference in terms of Australia and some of the other areas? I'm going to say yes, and, I, and, I, and it goes back to that. What is defined as international experience these days? So if mm. you're an Australian... You know, if you're an Australian marketeer who is running, who has an online platform, a SaaS platform, and you have customers globally, is that enough international experience? Or are you, do you have to be, you know, somebody that works within a massive tower block in, you know, Portland to be validated as an international marketer to then come into, you know, the colonies to then give those kind of words of wisdom? Now, in that situation, you're, you've still got that the two sides to it. You know, the Aussie marketer is, I guess, by nature, they're used to looking beyond the border versus a North American marketer who potentially only looks at the North American piece. So what you hope is that when you're going up to that level and you're meeting that CMO, 
you've got somebody who has international experience, international point of view. They've done a little bit. They understand that geographies are different. They understand that the buying cycle is different. They understand that the cultural norms are different between and it's an I, I know it's an obvious thing to be saying is to then say don't take an, a North American view and try to translate even you know photography don't assume that that can translate directly into Australia or, or uh, into APAC because it doesn't and there are still organizations who go well no we do all languages as long as it's English and I'm like well that's you know that's not going to fly or they'll do you know English and Spanish. And then try to then push that into an, an ASEAN or an APAC region where there's just so many different kind of subtleties that you need to take into account. I did in my in my last role, we had uh, a language translation app sitting behind the website. So where we would say we're promoting a webcast, we would say, you know, uh, time, you know, pull up, a, pull up the chair, grab a cup of coffee and, you know, spend 20 minutes with us. So having somebody who has diversity of language or is a native kind of, you know, Cantonese speaker to then come in there and go, right, this is what the machine is translating and it's getting the intent of it, but people don't drink coffee. So why don't you start talking about, you know, grabbing yourself a bubble tea and sitting down? So there's the cultural piece there, which is not just the words, but actually the true cultural, you know, significance of what we're the intent of what you're trying to do, which is just relax a little bit. We're just going to give you some brain food and you drink the beverage of your choice. But that wouldn't necessarily come across because you go, well, just grab a coffee, grab a cup of tea, you know, sit with us. So having that ability to have international experience and then international awareness, I get these things sound motherhood, but actually they're not. You know, they're actually very kind of deep seated. And then as a marketer, where you're then trying to influence somebody who doesn't know who you are to know who you are and then like who you are and then prefer what you do to somebody else. As a marketer, we kind of get that. And that's what you're really looking for at that leadership level to then say, you know, are you a CMO of an organization, but you've only ever worked in one geography? You know, I, I would argue that somebody that's just slugged it out in multiple geographies can be a better fit at that executive level because you're looking at has anybody worked in Singapore before? Has anybody worked in you know Japan before? It's not it is not a trivial exercise to go and expand overseas. Nick, I mean this has been great, right? But but before we wrap up, I wanna I wanna ask, do you have any other advice for kind of aspiring marketers who wanna who wanna kind of move up the ladder and they, you know, they're, they're, they're asking themselves, what's the best way and what should I do? Do you have, do you have any, I mean, you've, you've shared a lot of advice, but is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you think it's important for us to talk about? I think there's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with, this is a conversation that you and I have had already, you know, so is marketing seen to be a valid function and therefore at that leadership level, are you able to get to the top of being the CMO because, or get to the top of your profession because you've done the hard yards, you've worked, you've learned, you've potentially taken on tertiary education and you've got a bit more and you've got a bit more knowledge. Ultimately, the secret is going to be taking on more 
and then delivering to your boss, you know, much more of a doing the job of your boss. That that's kind of essentially it. So if you're only doing this one thing, where does that one thing fit in connection to the other things? Can you understand that? And then the next time you're asked to do that, can you deliver it plus plus? So instead of just doing I've done the, you know, I've done the website for the event. I've done the website, plus I've done the socials, plus I've done the thing, plus I've done the briefing pack. So the more that you're seen to be taking on in addition to the task that you've been given kind of signals that you've got that spark that I was talking about to then go, no, you, you understand the context of why what you're doing sits within the business. And as you're then doing more and more of that, then you build up your you don't have to be an expert in all of it. So I know a bit about SEO. I know a bit about website stuff. I know a bit about design. I know a bit about product marketing. I know a bit about comms. I know a bit about PR. And I'm not trying to be experts in all of them, but actually my job is to balance all of those and give them budget and resourcing and set them up and prioritize one, prioritize the other, downplay the other. And that just comes from me historically having just done the bit and then a bit more and then done that again and then a bit more and done that again and then a bit more. So ultimately, that's kind of building up. Have I had a lot of formal tertiary education? No. You know, I've got a bachelor's degree and then I've done postgrad, but most of it has been on the job. But you're coming up and, you, and you're able to kind of, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with people who have come up through other disciplines with tertiary education. And, and this is getting to the anecdote about, as a CMO, do you need to be somebody who's come up through the ranks of marketing? Or, as was called out at a conference, the marketing conference a couple of years ago, to then say, you know, on the stage, I'm a CMO, but I don't know a lot about marketing. I'm a good manager. And to me in the audience, that rankled me. I guess, because you've got a room full of marketers who are going, well, I thought I had to just dig in and dig in and do more and do more. And then I would get to be the senior person. But you're telling me that as a CMO, you could just be brought in you know, horizontally without really any marketing experience. But actually, you've got management. You know, you were seen to be a good manager. So stick them in the marketing team because you know, it's just coloring in an event over there. So as, an, as, a, as a function... And then as advice to marketeers, it's, you know, go get tertiary education if it makes sense, build up your skill sets where it makes sense, but take on more, but ultimately align yourself and understand to the commercial goals of any business. So understand how their revenue is generated, but also then how it flows through the organization. Unless it's, you know, you're, and again, I'm, I'm only couching this based around B2B, where you've got a, a little bit more of a longer term, could be procurement driven buying cycle. This isn't valid. None of my comments are valid for consumer. You know, here's the thing. Do you want this? Do you want it in pink? Yes. All right. Go. But if you've got a long, complex buying cycle, understand that, you know, go, go back to the mug, go talk to sales, because that makes you a more rounded person. As you're sitting at the seat, you know, you, you can see, well, there's a leading indicator that says pipeline isn't big enough. And whose challenge is pipeline? Well, it's both sales and marketing because we both do a thing that is very related to pipeline. But ultimately, the CEO doesn't care whose re responsibility is. They just need to see pipeline in growth or pipeline covering your 
quarterly close one rate on a ratio of you know two to three or whatever it is. So just you know, all my advice is just take on more. The answer is always yes. Take on more and just get involved in the business by just doing as much as you can. And you know, if you've got to carry a box and be there at five a.m. and leave at eight o'clock, guess what? You know, we've all done that because you got to do it. Got to do the hard yard. Yeah, you've just got to deliver what's got to be delivered. You know, at, at the end of the day. No, I love it. I love I love the the the, the strong hustle message at the end, Nick. That was uh, that's good. Uh, look, this is this has been a great chat. I think you've 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 shared a a some some very critical points for whoever it is that looking to kind of grow. Like I, I love how you talked about hey, what to expect and what not to expect how to prepare for it. What does that life look like? Are you, you know, are you really made for that or not? Um, you've, you've talked about the, the skills, the, the breadth as much as the depth of, of marketing skills and then some of the other areas that one needs to develop and, uh, and also some of the things that Austra specifically Australian marketers need to be uh, conscious of. So I really appreciate this conversation. It was, uh, it was again, a lot of insights that you easy. shared and, and, yeah, probably no, not thank very you so articulately. For, so I apologize to the no, no. I think it was well. You know, this is this is the nature of of uh, of a podcast, right? Like uh, we we want to we want to get insight insights from people who are in the trenches who haven't had time to put it in a book and uh, you know organize it that way. And and they're it's it's fresh uh, from uh, from the trenches and and in the weeds. Definitely. So I, I completely Definitely love it. Definitely fresh and potentially un, unthought, but there you go. It is what it is. <laughs> no thanks so much nick really appreciate it and, and again thanks again for, for coming on the podcast for the second time too easy i'll be back for a third time looking forward to it you're welcome we just dropped the first in-depth study into account-based marketing in the region we surveyed more than 50 senior apac marketing practitioners to uncover abm usage motivations benefits and pain points across the Asia Pacific region. We provide actionable insight, optimization techniques and solutions to key pain points identified in the survey. The State of Account-Based Marketing APAC report is an invaluable guide for B2B marketers seeking to harness the power of ABM. Get your copy today at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Or you can just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make this show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just interested in a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.